The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. The second of Canada's two Michaels went on trial in Beijing early this morning, but as you've been hearing, officials say they don't know much more beyond that. The trial of former diplomat Michael Kovrig on spying charges follows last Friday's initial hearing in a similar case of a Canadian businessman, Michael Spavor. Chinese officials have kept the proceedings secret behind closed doors, citing national security concerns. Diplomats and journalists showed up nonetheless, including Jim Nickel, the Canadian Embassy's Deputy Chief of Mission. He was repeatedly refused entry to observe the proceedings. Michael Kovrig has been detained for more than two years now. Uh, he's been arbitrarily detained and now we see that uh, the uh, court process itself is uh, not transparent. Uh, we're uh, very troubled by this. Very troubled by this. Dr. Elliot Temper is Professor Emeritus of Political Science at Carleton University. Uh, he's been following this closely. Dr. Temper, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Uh, good to be with you. I appreciate your time this afternoon. So we know that uh, Michael Spavor's case went to trial on Friday, concluded with no verdict after just two hours. Much the same thing today. The Chinese authorities pledging to provide one at a later date. Uh, I'm guessing we were all expecting this to go down just the way it has. What do you think is going to happen in the days and weeks to come? Options are being left open by the Chinese state, by the Communist Party of China, as to what happens next. Quite clearly, they've decided to escalate this um, long-running dispute, which is really all about Ming Wanzhou, and they want her back. And they're, they've raised the stakes by first arresting our two hostages. That's the only fair way to call it. And then by, you know, keeping them in detention and then suddenly uh, unannounced, really, in advance, suddenly bringing them to trial. Now, this trial will lead to a conviction. There's no doubt about that. Uh, that verdict will come down. But they can hold off when they want to bring the verdict down. And then beyond that, they can hold off as to uh, what the punishment might be. We know that, uh, you know, I've been uh, some some mm. folks saying that, of course, as as you mentioned, I mean, the... the uh the conviction rate is something like 99.7%. So, you know, very, you know, sound, they will be found guilty. But from what I'm reading, that once that happens, there could be some grounds for a diplomatic resolution under the Chinese system where the men can be expelled from, from the country and brought back to Canada. I think that's similar to the Kevin Garrett case from, from years yes. back. Is, uh, is that what you would expect? And, and it, they're just going to play it out and drag it out as long as they can to get what they want? It's highly likely that yeah. there will be no resolution of this case until Meng Wanzhou is released and she's back in China. There's a variety of op uh, options going forward. One is that she might actually win her case in court. Mm. Uh, she's got a powerful team of lawyers, and if she's released and goes home, the other possibility is the U.S. will withdraw the extradition request, and thereby she would be released. But... Um, Tony Blinken has just said, remember, this is being done by our Department of Justice. And Merrick Garland, the new attorney general, has said, we won't be interfered with by the executive mm -hmm. branch, even though they're part of it. So uh, all in all, the bottom line is that whatever the diplomatic niceties and the legal uh, uh, strategies going forward, it really is all about Ming Wanzhou. They want her back. And until 
until she is released, I'm afraid our people will not be released. Doctor, um, we, we keep hearing from Canadian officials uh, voicing concerns about the lack of transparency in the proceedings. Uh, you know, Mark Garneau, the Foreign Affairs Minister today, saying we're, we're deeply troubled by the total lack of transparency surrounding these hearings, and we continue to work towards an immediate end to their arbitrary detention. That was earlier today from uh, the Foreign Affairs Minister. What more can Canada do at this point? Canada is uh, is doing what it does best, which is mobilizing multilater- multilateral and international cooperation on this issue, and now very effectively, uh, more effectively than in the past. So the, you have now the American president and now the uh, Secretary of State saying, we stand shoulder to shoulder with Canada. And uh, Tony Blinken has said he has brought up this case directly uh, with his counterpart. The Chinese are aware that Canada has been able to elevate this into a global concern over the time period that Canada has had to deal with this situation, and China wants to make it, you know, just bilateral. Canada has made it multilateral so that China's reputation around the world has been plummeting uh, just at a time when they say we are ready to lead, we are going to be global leaders, we believe in the international rule of law, and etc. More and more countries are saying we don't want you to, uh, if that's how you behave, really you're not ready to lead. Really there's everybody's saying you say you want to be a global leader but you're really not ready for prime time. Dr. Tepper, I think there was um, a, a lot of hope um, that when uh, President Biden became president, that this might be uh, come to a to a quicker conclusion than than what it has. Um, you know, there there was talk about how the the China U.S. the China Canada relationship would change once Biden became president. Are, are you surprised that um, things haven't moved along quicker um, uh, from from th- the American perspective being involved? No, I'm not surprised no. At, uh, at all because this is a, a very complex situation. America and China are going to be the mm-hmm. colossal leaders going forward mm-hmm. for the next half century, dueling it out in all kinds of ways. China has become far more assertive under mm-hmm. Xi Jinping in recent times than in the past. Therefore, for you know the, this wolf warrior idea, China is back. We were humiliated. We're no longer going to be humiliated. You heard that in Anchorage when uh, the United States raised their position and said, you know, China, we will not be humiliated. We will not be talked down to. That's their stance. Canada has done, I think, a a really good job, an increasingly good job on raising the stakes for China on a reputational basis. And just as we were coming on air, there's something breaking Mm -hmm. that uh, Canada is actually, along with other states, along with other states, like-minded states, including, I think, the U.S. and the EU, are now putting targeted sanctions, I suspect Magnitsky sanctions, on specific individuals involved with the Uyghur situation, embarrassing the Chinese over the question of human rights and calling, you know, the term genocide being applied to the Chinese. Now there's actual meaningful sanctions against individuals. So all of this is incrementally raising the stakes on China to um, basically to behave (laughs) in a way that other states would want it to behave and not do hostage diplomacy. We led an international movement of 58 states plus the EU saying that hostage diplomacy really is not on. So we can raise the stakes, but China uh, holds our people and therefore they hold the cards. Yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, we can raise the stakes and the sanctions, as you mentioned, was going to br- I was going to bring that up, but doesn't that make things more dangerous for the two Michaels? 
Possibly, and I want to emphasize, it's not just the two Michaels. There's Hussein Jalil has been in jail there, a Uyghur Canadian act, Canadian Chinese activist. He was kidnapped when he was in Kazakhstan and brought into China. There's other Canadians also being held, and it's not just Canada. This behavior has been demonstrated toward other countries in the past by China, uh, and they've had to deal with it alone. You know, Australia is paying a very high cost for for uh, some of the things that China doesn't like. China is the, num- the number one trading partner That's right. of, of all kinds of countries around the world. So it's only 4% of our total trade, which I think has, it has come as a surprise how little it is. So we could afford to pay a cost. But China has enormous leverage around the world. And at the same time, it is losing uh, the utility of that leverage by the kind of behavior it is demonstrating. What What do you think that Canada um, has has learned through all of this, or and what do we need to remember moving forward with dealing with with China? This isn't yesterday's China. This is today's and tomorrow's China. Yeah. What we have learned is that Xi Jinping is now ready to stand forth in a way that his predecessors chose not to do. They they want a peaceable rise. That was their official slogan. Now it's wolf warrior diplomacy. You're never going to mess with us. We're going to push everybody around, and everybody had better, essentially, to use the old-fashioned term, kowtow to us. Mm. They've taken over the South China Sea, militarized it in a, in a very dangerous way. They haven't totally taken it over. That's one of the things that gets passed over. You know, what can Canada do? Canada has sent a frigate through the Taiwan Straits, along with, you know, much bigger forces by the U.S., saying to China, these are still open waters. You have not succeeded in closing off international uh, waterways throughout Southeast Asia. But China has moved very aggressively, very successfully, using their economic success, which is undoubted, uh, and their strength at home in terms of providing for their own population in all kinds of ways. But they're doing so in a way that uh, is alienating uh, wider and wider circles in more and more meaningful ways with our situation kind of being, I think, viewed globally, symbolically mm. as the new kind of China. And uh, more and more people, more and more states, more and more behavior is saying we don't want it. What, you touched on China-U.S. relationships. I mean, you have these the world's two superpowers, um, you know, coming head to head here. What does this look like between those two countries in in the in the years ahead? What are you expecting there? This is what's being worked out, uh, and it's going to be again the challenge not only of you know this current administration and the previous administration in the U.S., but going forward, what to do about China uh, managing the relationship of a unipolar world shifting to <clears throat> sorry a multipolar world. Mm-hmm. That was going to be a challenge, but when China now is being so uh, bellicose about it, saying, you know, we are back, we were we were the center of the world for a thousand years, we were temporarily humiliated, we're back now, so uh, don't mess with us. But we want to be cooperative, we want mm. stability in the world, we need for our economic might uh, to continue to grow, we need a quiet, cooperative world. So China is, is going to have to force be forced 
by U.S. diplomacy and global diplomacy to make a choice. How do you want to behave as you go forward to claim what they see as their rightful place? And Doctor, before I let you go, and I sure appreciate you making the time for us this afternoon, do countries who depend on China for everything from, you know, the, 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 the phones in our hands to the clothes on our back, mm-hmm. do we need to stop that dependency on that country? What You know, move away from that. What kind of message would that send? We are in a situation, well, selectively in terms of what we're specifically talking about, there can be boycotts of slave labor, Uyghur-produced cotton, and so forth. So very selectively that can be done globally. Looking ahead, do we want a world where China is is in one kind of cut-off, separated, decoupled world, technologically and otherwise? They've got 1.4 billion people. They can they can become a universe under themselves. Or do we want mm. a more globalized world and a more interdependent world? And this is going to take a, a deft set of policy choices imposed on China as well as, as hard choices. What kind of world do they want to behave in? Do they really want to be cut off? Do they really want to be treated as a pariah state? Do we really want a Cold War, which is where we're heading right now? Mm. Or can wiser heads prevail in both Washington and Beijing to go back to some to go forward really into some kind of a new mutually beneficial relationship. A lot of people asking me final questioning a lot of people asking sure. me on the text line this afternoon why don't we just send Meng Wanzhou back why don't we just send her back get it done with. Yes this is very very tempting and there were very notable Canadians who uh, wrote a letter a while ago saying you got you, let's do it let's just get rid of her and the government of Canada said all that means is that next time there's a problem with China, they'll just pick up some more hostages. Mm. Mm. And that's the short answer. The, that hostage-taking diplomacy, once we w- rewarded in this fashion, uh, is a never-ending process. Dr. Temper, thank you so much for your expertise on this. I look forward to having a conversation with you again in the future. Yes, anytime. This is certainly an ongoing, evolving story. Without a doubt. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. It's 2.20. Dr. Elliot Tepper joining us this afternoon. He is Professor Emeritus of Political Sciences at Carleton University. It's a very complicated issue, isn't it? I mean, I think at times it seems rather simple as 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 you just heard the doctor say you know yeah we could just a lot of people would say yeah just send her back but what happens next time and you touched on this what kind of country what kind of world leader does china want to be what does that look like between the u.s and china you heard him say it, and i've been reading uh, the description as well about another cold war what does this look like in the weeks and the months of he- ahead in the meantime we have you know canadian lives hanging in the balance